0: Hey guys, Dr. Childs here. Today we're going to be going over um, well a bunch of questions uh, from this blog post. So last time I told you we had our, our first Q&A. Um, this will be the second Q&A. I wanted to do it every single week, but I got sick with strep throat last week, so I wasn't able to do it. So I apologize, but this is um, this is going to make up for that. So this I'm getting questions from this blog post, which is. Uh, causes, symptoms, and treatment of low T4, natural and conventional. And I just went all the way down to the questions at the bottom here. Um, And this was the, if you're on my email list, this was the email. I sent an email out and said, if you have any questions specifically respond to this. Um, And then I'll do my best to go over as many as I can and we'll kind of go from there. So um, if you got that email and put your question on here, hopefully I can get to it, but that's what we're gonna be doing today. Um, so I, I skipped the first couple because they, they were a m- little more uh, personal rather than general, and so I want to kind of go over some of the general ones. Um, but, so we're going to start with Phyllis here. So Phyllis says, I had my thyroid removed in January due to it being cancerous. I've been taking levothyroxine, um, and my doctor wasn't satisfied with my numbers, and now I'm taking Synthroid. Um, Okay, so she just switched from levothyroxine to Synthroid. Um, After three weeks of taking... I do want to make a mention of that, so we'll talk about that in just a sec. Um, After three weeks of taking the Synthroid, I still feel sluggish and depressed, and I do have those energy dropouts around 3 to 4 in the afternoon. It's very common. When I sleep, I dream so much I don't feel rested when I wake up. It's pretty interesting. Um, What are your suggestions for natural supplements or diet changes I should make? Okay, so we have somebody who... Had their thyroid removed, and anytime you get your thyroid removed, you have to be placed on thyroid medication. Um, that's just, it has to happen. So, and the same thing occurs if you've had radioactive iodine ablation, um, and the same thing also happens if you have end stage Hashimoto's to the point where your thyroid is so atrophied it just can't produce thyroid hormones. So, this is all fairly normal thus far. So, this Phyllis had her thyroid removed. Was placed on thyroid medication. In this case, it was levothyroxine, but it wasn't working well, very well. So she was switched to Synthroid. Now, levothyroxine um, is a T4 uh, only medication, as is Synthroid, one's brand name and one's generic. And so they are slightly different, and they are absorbed differently. So I think that's a fair change. Um, that's about the best that you'll get from an endocrinologist um, in terms of if one isn't working, they might just switch to the same, basically, it's the same medication, but just with slightly different um, absorption and different uh, uh, mechanics involved. But there is some benefit to doing that. I don't think that's bad. Um, So they tried that, and then after taking it, she still feels poorly. Um, And so then she asked for suggestions. Now, I would say that's also fairly common. Um, Most people that have their thyroid removed are in a unique situation, and it's uniquely difficult in the sense that you, you are trying to replace the amount of thyroid hormone that was normally being produced by your body um, with a once a day dosing of thyroid medication, and that's incredibly difficult. In fact, we know that because we've, all, we've tried to do this for people that have diabetes, and we try to give them insulin, But it turns out, no matter how good we are at giving you hormone back, we're never as good as your body was before when you had that tissue. So think about it in this way. When your thyroid um, senses a demand in your body, it can produce thyroid hormone to match that demand. And this is happening every hour, every minute, right? And so what are we doing? We're saying, once you have your thyroid removed, we're saying, here, take this once a day and you'll be good. It's like, well, that's nowhere near as effective as what, at what your body was doing. And yet, here we are. This is, the, this is sort of the best that we can do. Now, there's a couple things that you can do there, such as splitting your dose up or changing up your medication. And that's what I would suggest to Phyllis. So, if you're, doing, if you're not doing very well on just the T4 only, then one thing that you might want to consider is adding in um, a formulation, a different type of thyroid medication, such as NDT, which would be Armour Thyroid or WP Thyroid or Nature thyroid or simply adding T3 to your existing T4 dose. Um, That can be very beneficial in a lot of people. Um, Now she wants to know some suggestions for natural treatment. So what can she do if if she needs some natural treatment? Well there are some certainly there are some nutrients and vitamins and things that you can take um, but you should target those to thyroid conversion because what you're doing is your your thyroid gland is naturally when it's working properly is producing both T4 and T3. Now when you get it removed you're you're only being replaced with T4. So that means that you still have to take that T4 and turn it into T3. And so what you would want to do then is you would want to target some supplementation at increasing the amount of T4 that's converted to T3 because T3 does, it's the work, it's a thyroid hormone workhorse. It does all of the benefits or it does all of the the good things that you associate with thyroid hormone. So, you can take some supplements to, to increase that conversion and I've put a couple here. Um, I have a T3 conversion booster. Um, and there there might be some others i haven't really looked around uh, but there might be some others if you don't want to do that Um, then the other thing you can do is you can indirectly increase t4 to t3 conversion by addressing issues that might be blunting that response so things like inflammation things like poor diet things like stress things like um, adrenal issues if you or lack of exercise if you can address those things then you can indirectly um, increase the amount of T4 to T3 that your body can convert naturally. So you have a couple of options there. Um, and then, of course, diet would be a big one. And I have a link that you can read about um, all sorts of things related to diet. And, of course, you'd want to change your diet. That's probably not going to result in dramatic improvement in, in all cases, but it's def- it's not something that you can leave out. It has to be combined with everything else. So it needs to go together. So hopefully that helps Phyllis. Um gene. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, let's see. I've gone over a number of checklists that offer reason as to why a person can have normal TSH levels and yet have very low T4. Blood tests recently showed both free T4 and free T3 near the bottom of the range. And of course, I have felt like roadkill with several hypo symptoms over the last 10 years. Always past visits to doctors turned out useless because my THH, TSH is always within normal range. Quote, is it possible for a person to have Diagnosed Hashimoto's for so many years that the thyroid gland ends up so damaged that it can no longer make much T4. Autoimmune disorders are rampant on both sides of my family, which is why I think I have undiagnosed Hashis for 20 years. So, um, the answer to her question is it possible for a person to have diagnosed Hashimoto's for so many years? Yes, absolutely. So, that is the sort of the end stage um, progression of Hashimoto's disease. So, what is happening is that if you have an autoimmune disease, your body is slowly and chronically attacking your thyroid gland. And this attack um, results in the atrophy. And the sh- you can think of it just sort of like as a shriveling. Whatever whatever the gland once was, it it sort of shrinks and hardens and and um, becomes atrophied. And it no longer serves the purpose it once did. And so that purpose would be producing T4 and T3. And um, what will happen is if, it, if it's damaged, you just won't be able to do that. So this would be considered sort of the end stage of Hashimoto's disease. Um, is it possible that you've had undiagnosed Hashimoto's for 20 plus years? Absolutely. That's fairly straightforward as well. Um, there's so many patients that I treat um, that have come in and that I'm like, you know, I, 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 in the beginning, I wouldn't even ask. I would just assume that they sort of knew that they had Hashimoto's. I've, you know, so, so, you know, you have Hashimoto's like, what? You know, and they would perk up and they had no idea, which seemed crazy to me because it's such an easy thing to diagnose or relatively easy. If you can't, you know, it's, it's as simple as checking a couple of, blood test or checking a thyroid ultrasound and you should be able to diagnose it between those two things. Um, so is it possible that that occurred? Yes it is um, and it depends on who you've seen. So if you've lived in like a if you've seen an endocrinologist I find it unlikely that that's the case but you know I'm sure it could still happen. But if you live maybe in a smaller town where your primary care is um, kinda does everything, is the jack of all trades, that, that, that's sort of the situation that I've seen this occur. But it can happen um, for sure. Now Another th- another thing she brings up is she says, I- "I'm trying to figure out ways as to why a person can have normal TSH and yet have very low T4." So that's actually fairly straightforward. Um, generally, though, at, in the Hashimoto's, in the when when your thyroid gland be- becomes so damaged that it can't produce thyroid hormone, your TSH usually raises. So you're kind of asking a question that's unrelated to the first part. Um, and so you're you, you are looking for reasons as to why you can have a normal TSH um, and yet have low T4. So what can happen um, in certain situations is that if you don't have the the TRH stimulation of TSH, then you can have both a sort of nor or low to normal TSH and low T4 and T3. So the things that cause low TRH, such as dieting, um, PTSD, chronic stress, Uh, things like that, they can suppress your body's ability to produce TSH. And remember, TSH is stimulating to your thyroid gland. That's why it's called thyroid stimulating hormone. (laughs) The whole goal of TSH is to stimulate the thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormone. So if you don't have enough TSH, then you're obviously not going to be able to produce the amount of um, thyroid hormone necessary for your body. But again, the two kind of separate things, so I'm trying to I'm trying to peel them apart so that we can sort of understand them. But but yeah, that would absolutely be a, be a reason for that. Oh, and I, I, I've answered her here as well. But yeah, so I talk about uh, euthyroid 6 syndrome as, as a condition that can do that. So there's a link that you can read about that as well. Um, but yeah, that's actually not that uncommon. It um, might be perplexing to some people, but um, if you understand how the thyroid works, it's actually fairly straightforward. So pancetta, hopefully I said that right too. Um, what happens when T4 is high? Well, I guess it depends on how you got the high T4. If you're having high T4 and you are not taking any thyroid medication or anything like that, then that could just be an anomalous lab test, in which case I would say just retest. Um, If you're on thyroid medication and your T4 is high and that medication is levothyroxine, well, that would explain it. It's probably just related to your dose. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean you're taking too much, though, by the way. What you would want to do is you would want to look at um, the T4 as well as the T3. So you, in this way you can kind of determine is the T4 that you're giving yourself um, through medication, is that being converted to T3? So if you look at T4 and it's high and you look at T3 and it's low, you can kind of say that's probably not converting, right? So it's fairly straightforward if you look at it in that way. Um, another helpful lab would be to potentially look at reverse T3. So if you have a high T4 um, and a high reverse T3 and a low T3, so hopefully that's not confusing to you guys, but if hopefully those numbers make sense, but that would be an indication that whatever T four you're taking is not being converted, um, at least not in the way that you would want it to. So obviously I probably need a little more information before I you know can help that out there, but that's sort of what I would say to start with. Okay, Madonna. Pretty sure I got that one right. Um, my problem is free T four is high at 17. Yeah, that's that's fairly high I would say. Free T three is or free T three is low at 2.7. Um, TSH is 0.88, it seems I'm not converting T4 to T3. I asked the doctor for T3 which she has me taking only five mics per day. I feel that this is way too low but she said she is not going to increase as T3 is dangerous for the heart and bones. Any suggestions? So There's a lot going on here um, and actually this goes right back up to the question I was just saying before. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree with this person that this T4 is not being converted to T3 right because if her if she's taking T4 and it's high that means it's getting into the body we know it's being absorbed um, but the free T3 is low so it's not your body's not taking the T4 and turning it into the T3 but here's the thing that might confuse some of you well then why is the TSH This is, I mean, I would say this is normal, but, you know, you could argue that it's getting on the low-ish side of things, and that's fairly straightforward. So, the pituitary will always respond to T4 if you take it by mouth, and assuming it's getting absorbed. So, you could have a situation in which your TSH is suppressed down to, you know, 0.01 or whatever, just from T4 medication, and yet you'll still feel terrible. And the reason for that is you're just taking excessively high doses of T4, and it's not being converted. So you can kind of see that that pattern is already occurring um, in this patient, in Madonna. Um, and so she sort of, presumably she's read some stuff and she and she is saying, well, okay, if it's, I'm not converting, then if I take T3, then that might help. And yeah, that, that may help. Um, that's certainly a one way to approach that. Um, another way would be to, like we said before, take natural treatments to try and improve the amount that you're converting T4 to T3 naturally, but that may not work for everybody or it may work to varying degrees. So I do think it's reasonable to consider adding T3 to the mix in this case. So yeah. And so I feel that, and basically she's asking is the five mics too low um, and is the danger that her doctor is suggesting, is that warranted? Um, And the answer is maybe to that. I'll talk about that in just a sec. So first off, is five mics a low dose? Um, It is a low dose, but it doesn't seem that you say how much your T4 dose is. So, you know, five mics is, I would say, generally low, but there's a spectrum in terms of how sensitive people are to T3 medication. So some people might be insanely sensitive to it. So five mics might be enough to cause heart palpitations in one person, whereas that might be one-tenth of the total dose needed for some other person. Someone might need 50 mics. Another person might need 2.5. So, but I would say in general, yeah, that's a fairly low dose. Um, and then she says her provider feels that it's dangerous to the heart and bones. Now, that's that. there's some truth to that. Um, and a lot of that truth depends on whether or not you are menopausal. So the only studies that have shown that there's really risk to the heart or to your bones are those who are menopausal women. Um, and it's only if you've had it for that TSH suppression for it. A very long time. So short-term suppression is not really that big of a deal. Uh, in fact, doctors do this all the time when they give patients like prednisone for um, inflammation or infections or um, whatever you would be taking it for, autoimmune disease, et cetera, They're they suppressing that, that axis. So, they have no problem suppressing it temporarily with something like prednisone or cortisol, but they, you know, they have this aversion to temporarily suppressing the TSH for who knows what reason, um, even though I would argue it's much more dangerous to suppress your cortisol or that HPA axis as opposed to the HPT axis of, of your, you know, hypothalamic pituitary and thyroid. Um, so, the, as to whether or not it's dangerous... That depends on a number of factors, but five mics, I have you know, with a TSH that's normal, that should not be dangerous at all. So there have been some studies that have shown that you can safely replace T4 medication with T3 as long as it's um, with as long as your TSH stays in a reasonable range, then that will cause no, that will not cause harm, or at least is not felt to cause harm long term, at least in the studies that we've seen. So and I I I feel the same way. Now if you take that if you take that T3 and you bumped up to 50 mics and you suppress your TSH into oblivion and you were postmenopausal, well, you might want to consider that um, and look at that a little more closely. And so I've included a link here um, where I talk about TSH suppression and how that kind of goes together. And um, so you could take a look at that and go into that in detail. But it sounds like you're, you're generally on the right track. I, I would say if your doctor is not willing to work with you, then probably the next best step would be to do some of those natural therapies we talked about, supplementation, diet, stress reduction, and so on. Okay, so this one's from Claudia. Thank you for another great article question. What do you do if you take NDT? Your free T3 is optimal. TSH is suppressed as it would be on NDT. RT3 is around 13, but your free T4 remains at the bottom of the range. So um, this is a person who is on natural desiccated thyroid, which is a, co- which is a combination thyroid medication, which includes T4 and T3. Um, and so it still contains way more T4 relative to T3, um, but but it does have T3 sort of built into it, and it does contain T2 and some other thyroid hormones as well. Um, and so her question is, she has she's taking NDT, but she has a low free T4, and, it, and with a with a suppressed TSH, even though the free T3 is optimal, um, and RT3 is pushing up there to the sort of limits where um, it might be starting to cause a, a problem potentially. So um, a couple things here so she says as it would be on she says her TSH is suppressed as it would be on NDT now it doesn't necessarily have to be just suppressed um, just for all those people out here listening to that so you don't have to take NDT to the point that it suppresses your TSH um, that you know a lot of people do that but I, I don't think that that has to be the case and certainly if you if what you can do is you can um, individually optimize t4 and t3 using um medications like even levothyroxine and liothyronine together you can you can alter the ratio of the T4 to T3 to the point where you can optimize these numbers better than you would on NDT. Now, if somebody has tried that before and you know they don't respond to these different individual medications, well, then NDT may be the only option. In which case there are some people who just respond in the way that she has um, suggested here. So some people just seem to be exquisitely sensitive to T3 in any formulation, but especially in NDT. So if they take NDT, their TSH just plummets even on like one grain, you know, which is only really nine mics of, of T3, which is not that much. Remember we were just talking about five micrograms, um, in the question above. So nine mics on one grain of, of NDT is really not that much. I mean, it's double the five, but it's still fairly low. Um, so, there, so there's that to consider, and some people, I would say maybe 15% of people who take NDT will just experience this, this natural plummet of the TSH, and I think that just has to do with how those individuals respond and how, how sensitive their uh, pituitary is to thyroid hormones. Now, the other thing is that I would say here is um, I, would, I would caution people against chasing these quote-unquote optimal ranges just for the sake of chasing them. So if you are taking thyroid medication and you're doing well, meaning you're not symptomatic um, and your TSH isn't suppressed into oblivion, then it shouldn't really matter to you that your free T4 is slightly low or your free T3 is not you know, in the 90th percentile, maybe it's in the 60th percentile or something like that. You don't want to chase numbers for the sake of chasing those numbers. In fact, I think a better measure is to maintain your thyroid labs within um, a somewhat optimal range and then to uh, try and make it so your TSH is not suppressed into oblivion and, and, con- and try and connect those two things with, with optimal symptoms. And if you can do that, then you have a recipe um, for thyroid hormone management, which will last long-term because you can temporarily make yourself feel better by suppressing your TSH um, by taking high amounts of T3 or NDT. But that's not really a long-term solution because you really don't want to have your TSH suppressed um, indefinitely. It's just not a great solution. So um, I would say probably the question I'd pose back is, well, how are you feeling clinically? And if the answer is you're feeling great, then I would say leave it alone. You may want to manage your TSH depending on the amount of suppression that's there. Uh, again, she doesn't really give numbers here, but... Or does she? No, not for the TSH. Um, so that would, that would that's, that's probably what I would look at. Um, let's see. We are approaching 20 minutes, so I'll probably stop here. Um, If you guys have any questions based off of what we've talked about here, um, leave them in the comments below and I'll do my best to get to those. Um, otherwise what I will do is I'll send this this video out in an email um, and link to another page where you can ask questions and then that way we can try and keep the questions fresh and related to somewhat different topics because otherwise I think all the questions will be around the same topic so we'll try and do that. Um, but if you have any questions leave them below I'll do my best um, to get to them. If you're on YouTube it's, it's a little more difficult for me to get to those questions so if you leave your questions on the blog Um, I usually am faster at responding to them um, on the blog. But I do get a lot of questions every day. I do my best to answer them all. Um, But if it takes a couple days, you know, please be patient. Um, But anyways, hopefully you guys found this helpful. Um, And like I said, leave any questions below. If you want to see this blog post, you can go... Uh, to my website, and it's the causes, symptoms, and treatment of low T4, and you can see the questions as well as other questions. I think I've answered every single one on this, and there's 52 comments here, so I've gone through a bunch of them here, but otherwise, hope you guys have found this helpful, um, and I'll see you in the next video.